What's going on, Hardliners? Welcome to His Hardline for another episode of 1% with Him. Remember, every day we need to spend at least minimum 15 minutes with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Dig a little bit in the Bible and spend a little time in prayer, you know what I mean? If you can't do that, just join us here at His Hardline. We'll get it done. Drop. And don't forget to check out our website, www.hisheartline.com. We're happy to have you. Let's get started. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you're at in the world. Happy to have you here. It is Tuesday, August 9th, 2022. I am Jason, your co-host with God and Jesus Christ at my side. And they are the ones that are in charge of this ship. They are at the wheel. They are the host. And they are the ones that are steering this ship through this, uh, these crazy chaotic waters that we call life. So welcome. Glad to have you here. So, um... So today we're going to be reading, for starters, out of the book of Mark, chapter 9. Um, forgive me if I'm going to sound a bit uh, sped up, because I got a, a pretty big show. I was going to do, um, boy, I was kind of hemming and hawing about, you know, how what I was going to talk about on his hardline discussion after this. Um, and considering yesterday's events, as we all know, if you didn't have your head in the sand, um, you know, I kind of want to discuss a little bit about what happened yesterday. Um it, that's I'll tell you what, whatever ha- what happened last night, yesterday evening was very big. Um, there was one thing, though, that I was wanting to actually talk about, which I might make this a recording, a separate recording. Uh, and I might drop this for a show on Thursday night or Friday morning, possibly. Um, like I said, this week, uh, my, my wife and I were taking our daughter and we're just going to, you know, have some family time. So I'm going to be stepping away from the studio after tonight. Um, so like I said yesterday in another podcast, if you don't see, you know, any, you know, 1% with him or anything like that, don't freak out. Like I said, I'll be, you know, I'll be back in the studio Saturday evening. I just wanted to make sure, like I said, I, I let all you guys know, give fair warning, because at the end of the day, I want to make sure that I dedicate as much time as I can with my family, because, you know, I don't want to, you know, I thought about twin with the idea of, you know, bringing the mic and everything and doing stuff, um, on vacation, but I was like, nah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> that just defeats the point, you know, of being on vacation. But I am going to do a, another separate recording that I think I'm going to drop on Friday, I think, Thursday night or Friday. So anyways, but we are going to get to the reading of Mark chapter 9. And like I said, forgive me if I am going to sound a little bit um, sped up here, but got a lot to get to here tonight. So I am reading from the New American Standard Bible. Like I said, I typically bounce back and forth from that to the New American Bible Revised Edition. And like I always say, I am not a preacher. I am not a priest. I'm not a minister. I'm not a biblical scholar or anything like that. I'm just a truck driver who reads his Bible each and every day. And I try to make sense of it. So, um, you know, all I know is God called me to start this platform to put out the word out there because Lord knows there are so many churches out there that are underneath the five um, the 501c3 model. And unfortunately, because of that, they're, you know, for a lack of better term, 
they are gag ordered to not talk about specific things at the pulpit. And I find a very big issue with that. Can't have that. Not in a free nation. And so that's why I'm here and why there's others out there like me too, you know, so I'm not the only one. Okay, we're going to get started here. So, and it starts off with verse one here, chapter nine. And Jesus was saying to them, truly, I say to you, there are some of those who are standing here who will not taste death until the kingdom of God, when it has come to power with power. And six days later, Jesus took with him, Peter, James, and John and brought them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them and his garments became radiant and exceedingly white as no launderer on earth can whiten them. And Elijah appeared to them along with Moses and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter responded and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know how to reply for they became terrified. Then a cloud formed, overshadowing them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly they looked around and saw no one with him, with them anymore, except Jesus alone. As they were coming down from the mountain, he gave them orders not to relate to anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man rose from the dead. Now they seized upon that statement, discussing with one another what rising from the dead actually meant. And they asked him, saying, Why is it that the scribes say that Elijah must come first? And he said to them, Elijah does come first, and he restores all things. And yet, how is it written of the Son of Man that he will suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I say to you that Elijah has indeed come, and they did to him whatever they wanted, just as it is written of him. And when they came back to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. Immediately when the entire crowd saw him, they were amazed and began running up to greet him. And he asked them, what are you disputing with them? And one person from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought you my son because he has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. And whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes stiff. And I told your disciples so that they would cast it out, but they could not do it. And he answered them and said, Oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when he saw him, the spirit immediately threw him into convulsions and falling to the ground. He began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. And he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said from childhood, it has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to try to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. But Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. And immediately the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe. Help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you come out of him and do not enter him again. And after crying out and throwing him, throwing him into terrible convulsions, it came out and the boy became so much like a corpse that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and raised him and he got up, got him up. And when he came into the house, his disciples began asking him privately, why is it that we could not cast it out? And he said to them, this cannot come out by anything except prayer. And from there, 
They went out and began to go through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know about it, for he was teaching his disciples and telling them, The Son of Man is to be handed over to men, and they will kill him, and when he has been killed, he will rise three days later. But they did not understand the statement, and they were afraid to ask him. They came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he began to question them, What were you discussing on this way? But they kept silent. For on the way they had discussed with one another which of them was the greatest. And sitting down, he called the twelve and said to them, If anyone wants to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and placed him among them, and taking him in his arms, and he said to them, Whoever conceives one child like this in my name receives me, and whoever receives me does not receive whoever receives me does not receive me, but him who sent me. And John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to prevent him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not hinder him, for there is no one who will perform a miracle in my name and be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because of your name of followers of Christ, truly I say to you, he shall be by no means lose his reward. And whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it is better for him if a heavy millstone is hung around his neck and thrown into the sea. And if you hand, and if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than having your two hands to go into hell, into the unquenchable fire. And if your foot is causing you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life without a foot than having your two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eyes is causing you to sin, throw it away. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be thrown into hell, where their worms does not die, where their worms does not die, and the fire is not extinguished. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt becomes unsalty, with what will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. And that concludes the verses um, 1 through 50 in chapter 9. Now, what does Mark chapter 9 really mean? So in Mark 9, among other things, Jesus teaches the disciples about leadership in his kingdom, right? And leadership starts with knowing whom you follow. And Jesus is the Son of God and do all honor and glory of God. And he is Daniel's Son of Man, the Jewish Messiah but he is also Isaiah's suffering servant who would be tortured and murdered by his creation. Now, Jesus's kingdom will not only will not yet be a mighty earthly political force, but a a great sacrifice and then a quiet work in the hearts of his followers. The disciples need to set aside dreams of political grandeur and learn how to lead through service. Boy, I tell you, ain't that the truth? We need more of that. Now, since Mark chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus has mostly been in Gentile territory, but northwest and east of Galilee. And then he took the disciples north, according to Mark 8, 27, still trying to avoid the crowd so he could train the disciples without distraction. But Peter, James, John, and John joined Jesus on a high mountain for a special training. And there Jesus was transfigured and his holiness displayed in such a grand way. The three followers are terrified to even look at him. 
And Elijah and Moses meet Jesus on the hill, and, and God affirms that Jesus is his son. And so after Moses and Elijah leave, the disciples ask about Elijah. And both the Old Testament and the rabbinical teaching say that the Old Testament prophet will return at the end of days. But, but Jesus explains that Elijah had already come in the form of John the Baptist. An event that should have revealed to the disciples that Jesus is God leaves them more confused than ever about why Jesus is there. And I can only imagine that confusion. And so Jesus, Peter, James, and John, they come down from that mountain to see the remaining disciples arguing with the Jewish scribes. And so despite their experience expelling demons earlier, the disciples cannot rescue a possessed child. And so Jesus reveals that the entire situation is marked by a lack of faith and that the disciples neglected prayer life. Now, in the remainder of the chapter, Jesus basically tries to impress upon the disciples what his followers should look like. Now, first, he must be killed and raised again, a prophecy which completely clashes with their victorious end times belief. And I think we're seeing that right now, too. We have so many people out there, if you will, that are kind of like in the revelationist crowd that they have a certain, you know, perceived uh, image in their mind of what the actual end times would look like. You know, there's so many people that think that, you know, any day now, the Lord's going to come and, you know, it's going to be fire and brimstone and the whole world's going to get engulfed in fire instead of a flood. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But. We got to remember, we can't be deceived by our own thoughts and our own perceived images of what we think the end times really looks like. Because remember, as it is said in, in the Bible somewhere, and I can't remember where it says, but it's somewhere in the New Testament that, you know, God's the only one that knows the time and place of when that time's going to come. Not even his angels even know. And so I try to be very careful to steer clear of that. But remember, we have to be very careful with how we envision, you know, the end times. Okay, now, I don't really personally think we're there. I really don't think so. I think we're venturing very close to, um, I don't know, you know, maybe this is my hopeful romantic self. I'm hoping that we're close to like a thousand years of peace. I really think we're, we're that close, but I could be wrong. Again, this is a guess. This is not a, this is not a, um, just for the record, because <laughs> I'm not, a, I'm not about to get um, uh, accused of like blaspheming or predicting times or anything like that, but. My guess and my hope would be a thousand years of peace. That'd be great. Okay, so where was I here? So, um, so but in the remainder of the chapter, though, um, wait, I already said that. Yeah, no, so in the remainder of the chapter, so Jesus basically tries to impress upon his disciples, yeah, what his followers should look like first. And so, oh, I already said all that. So upon, so uh, unable to comprehend what he was saying, the disciples cling on the belief that the Messiah will rescue Israel and install a new kingdom. But to that end, they start vying for a position in that kingdom. And so Jesus cuts them short and telling the leadership in his kingdom is not about power, but service to those who are weaker. And see, I think with what we're about to enter into, I really think, and again, this is my humble opinion, my guess, I would love to see 
whatever new world we're going into, I really would like to see a heaven on earth, right? Where the kingdom of God is not about power, but a service to others, because we really need to really come together and serve one another, especially those who are weaker than ourselves. And so the point is expanded when John tells him they tried to stop a man who was casting out demons in Jesus's name because he was not known to them. But Jesus quickly explained that, look, the fact that that man had enough faith to call in his name proves he is not an outsider to the kingdom. Amen. And even the disciples don't recognize him. But the disciples, particularly Peter, continued to struggle with this truth when the Gentiles joined the church. And so throughout Jesus' ministry, he has condemned the Pharisees for placing unnecessary legalistic burdens on the people and even leading them into sin. And so Jesus explains that the truly godly, especially leaders, live such an ethical life that they set the example for others while protecting them from sinful opportunities. And so his followers will be tested and purified at the end, and only the good will remain. Pure sinlessness is impossible, no matter how disciplined we are. As it states in, uh, I think, Matthew 5, Jesus' teaching helps the, the disciples and us and, and helps us realize how, how much they and we need his saving grace. Absolutely. And so, I, you know, and I absolutely love that because, you know, the disciples in this depiction here, you know, because there was a man that was trying, you know, that was, you know, calling out in the name of Christ to cast out a demon, you know, right away, it's a very interesting illustration because right away the, the disciples were like, Lord, you know, what's this man doing? He's not one of us. He should not be doing this. Well, wait a minute now. Just because I chose you to be my 12 disciples does not make that man any less or any more, right, than you. Here's the bottom line. He has faith. And so anybody who has that much faith and uses my name to cast out a demon out of somebody is indeed one of us. That is so powerful. See, and it just goes to show you that's the ultimate, that's the ultimate unity we need to have right there. It does not matter if we're male, female, right, if we're Black, white, brown, purple, green, Haitian, European, it doesn't matter. If you have Christ in your heart and you believe in Christ so strongly and you have so much faith and you have so much prayer within you to 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 be able to, you know, do these type of things that we read about, you're you're no you're no different than the disciples. It's all a matter of faith. And so anyway, I really like this. Uh, I like this passage. So anyway, but that is what I have for uh, the book of Mark chapter 9. Like I said, forgive me if I sounded a little rushed. Got a kind of, you know, got a lot ahead of us here. So I am going to, we're going to cut this short. I'm going to do a quick prayer. And then uh, I'll see you on the other side for a His Hardline discussion. So Heavenly Father, we come together as your united people, and we say thank you. We thank you for another day of life and good health. And we ask you um, 
we ask for your forgiveness. We come to you and repent of our sins, not just individually, but as a nation, because we, we realize, we understand that in order to, you know, return back to you, Father, and to get this nation back on a, you know, on the right footing as a blessed nation, we need to ask for your forgiveness. And if we don't do that as a nation, if we don't have our leaders do that, I don't think there's any way that we can really return there. So we pray for our leaders. We pray for our enemies as well. And that they, uh, they eventually turn to you. And we know your timing is perfect. You know, even though we may not understand it, our understanding is irrelevant. But we know that your perfect timing is the perfect timing. Even though we may not understand it. Even though we might not see it possibly in our lifetimes. I don't know. I hope we do. And so my one prayer tonight is that we do see a thousand years of peace at least sometime in our lifetime. Because we would love nothing more than to pass down our future generations, our kids and grandchildren and great-grandkids and future generations to come, to pass down a world full of peace, a true heaven on earth brought to you by you, God. And so we just thank you for, again, all that you do for us, all the many blessings that we often overlook. And we pray all these things and so much more in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. And so that is all I have for today. And like I said, if for whatever reason, I don't see you guys here after this show for the His Hardline discussion, just remember, like I said, I'm going to be having some family time this week. My daughter's birthday's coming up. And so don't be alarmed if you don't see any Bible readings, um, you know, tomorrow, Thursday, or Friday. I may be able to get in the studio Saturday evening. I'm going to do my absolute best, no promises, but Sunday morning at the at for sure. Saturday night or Sunday. Um, so like I said, don't be alarmed. I am going to do at least one pre-recording that I think I'm going to drop on Thursday evening or Friday morning. So, but that's all I got for today. And I hope you all have a great night and we'll see you on the other side. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the day. Thank you for joining us here at His Heart Line. Remember, we need to spend at least 15 minutes each day with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is literally 1% of our time on a daily basis. Spend a little time in the Bible, spend some time in prayer. And you'd be amazed what Jesus will do to you. Drop. out our website www.hishardline.com for all the latest updates.